0: Hey there, my name is Jonathan Galvan and I'm one of the pastors at Redeemer. Uh, we're so glad that you're tuning in to this sermon and we pray that this sermon would be an encouragement to you. So please enjoy. All right, everybody say joy. And everybody smile. The theme of this morning is joy, really the theme of uh, Advent, the theme of Christmas, a huge uh, theme of the gospel itself is joy, uh, what God is doing for us and delivering to us. So if you have a Bible, uh, let me invite uh, you to turn to Luke chapter 2. If you have been around at all on any Christmas for your life anywhere, you've probably heard this text, this story that uh, comes up a lot during Christmas. It's the declaration from the angels to some shepherds uh, about Advent or the coming of Christ into the world, the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises and prophecies and God inviting this story into our hearts and us leaning in for centuries and all of a sudden finally heaven breaks into earth, God breaks into humanity as one of us and he sends his angels in a very unique way uh, to go declare some things to the shepherds and prepare them for what is truly uh, miraculous and about to take place. Uh, And we talk about often, uh, it's such a Helpful thing when you're trying to understand the Bible and especially to appreciate uh, the weight of certain stories, um, to do your best to try to read yourself into the story uh, to the best of our ability and our imagination, uh, to imagine that we were there. Um, and I think that's very, very helpful uh, with the shepherds. So I now deem you a shepherd. You're a first century shepherd. And uh, when you think of a shepherd, uh, oftentimes, especially in our culture and some things that have taken place with the media, we probably don't think of a shepherd as they were. Uh, pictures we see, shepherds and angels, maybe two of the most misconstrued characters. Uh, the shepherds we always see in these like perfectly spotless white robes, uh, you know, kind of long, nice hair that's been, uh, got a lot of product and it looks very fantastic. And then you've got uh, angels that show up and angels are often times in our culture are depicted as what, you know, kind of babies with diapers and bow and arrows and they fly around shooting people and they uh, now fall in love. Just some strange, strange things have happened uh, with uh, the depiction of both of these, but a shepherd uh, in the New Testament, especially in the first century, think much more cowboy. Uh, think much more somebody that would have been uh, very, very strong, very, very manly, live a lot of their life out in the woods with the sheep, uh, campfires. Think, um, I was going to say Yellowstone, but I don't know if that's accurate. Think more lonesome dove, all right? Any lonesome dove fans? Like the, shepherds were manly men, they would be out for days, weeks at a time, uh, sleeping on the ground, gathering around campfires, uh, fighting off lions, fighting off wolves, uh, some rough and tough guys. And that is who God decides to send the angels to declare. And these angels, when you see angels show up, which is not very often uh, do angels actually uh, come down and show up to, to be a messenger, but when they do, the normal reaction from somebody is that they are terrified, that they are scared because angels are incredible beings. Uh, They're powerful, they're magnificent, and they speak for the Lord God. And so you've got some incredibly tough men and you've got some even uh, more glorious and tough angels. And there they were minding their own business in the fields, keeping watch as we know over their flocks by night and an angel, an incredible being shows up and declares something. And and just by, by, by witnessing the angels showing up. I'm guessing if if I was one of the shepherds, I would start thinking, "Uh uh-oh, and start thinking through like the Rolodex of things that I've done and sins I've committed and things that I haven't done that I should have. I'm like, oh, no. God's messenger is here and he's got some things to say and my first reaction wouldn't be, I'm so excited. How many of you, if you're honest, God sends a messenger with a very important message to your house. He opens the door. You're like, I am so glad that you're here because I have been on the nice list. I'm not on the naughty list. I'm just like, I'm so excited for what the angel is going to say. No, because if we're honest, we know there's there's some very difficult, some potentially bad news that the angel could show up with, and we find out in Luke chapter 2 that it's actually the opposite of that. So in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, if you're there, say joy. This is how the uh, gospel writer Luke, the historian, accounts what happened that day. It says, in that same region, there were shepherds, tough men. We don't know if they were godly men. Honestly, we don't know much about them. Maybe they were. uh, Maybe they were not. Maybe they were very, very far from God. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Because I, probably because of the spectacle of what they were witnessing, and that they knew this may not be good news. And the angel said to them, fear not, which is the most common command in the Bible. Fear not, for behold, I have good news of great joy, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We, we spend a lot of time, honestly, on this verse a couple different times a year because it's an unbelievable verse and it has so much in it that we just don't have the time uh, to unpack this morning. Um, but when they show up and the, ain't, the, the, the the shepherds are nervous, they're terrified, they're filled with great fear, and then the first thing out of their mouth is, fear not, I have good news, all right? And then all of a sudden, may, maybe maybe the, 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 the nervousness kind of fades away and they're like, oh my gosh, it could have been so many types of news, it could have been very bad news. Uh, it could have been judgment day uh, and they're coming to uh, hold me accountable for all the things that I've uh, done and thought and said. And just, maybe this just incredible sense of relief fell over them because they said it's, it's good news. Oftentimes when, uh, when I get a staff member, somebody that comes in my office and they'll say, I have news. What's the first thing out of my mouth? Is it good or bad? (laughs) If it's bad, come back tomorrow, Uh, we'll, we'll tackle it then. If it's good news, oh, it's good news, oh, good. And then you kind of breathe this sigh of relief. Okay, at least I know the nature of the news. Maybe I don't know the content of the news yet, but it says, fear not, I have good news. And we don't have time to unpack that, that, that like just the good news in and of itself, uh, the, the word gospel means good news. And to describe the whole package deal about who Jesus is, what he has done, that's the most accurate way to define it. It's, it's good news, right? So they show up, we've got good news. We could have had bad news. We don't. So let your guard down. Uh, we've got good news. Of great joy. And if you look and study uh, that actual word that they used, really means mega. Uh, The angel says, I have good news of mega joy. Not just joy, mega joy, big joy, full joy, great joy, which is what everyone is looking for. Every human being at some point is on a search for joy. Not just for the, 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 the macro lens of our life, but day in and day out, we're trying to find joy. We're trying to relate with people that will give us joy. We're trying to find things that might give us cho- joy. We're trying to avoid things that we feel like will steal our joy. Like to, to be human, part of, part of humanity's DNA is that we have this longing to feel and to experience joy, And yet, if we're honest, I think so many people in our world, maybe people in this room, are truly struggling uh, to find joy and to live in joy. And what incredibly good news that joy is actually at the epicenter of Christmas or of of the incarnation that Jesus has come. Why has he come? Because you need joy and he's the key to it. I, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to how many people? Oh, that was so unenergetic. (laughs) Like the greatest news on the planet. All. (laughs) An angel from God Almighty visits earth because the Son of God is about to be born. And he says, I have good news. You don't have to be afraid. Fear not. I've got good news of great mega joy that will be for how many people? All people, every color of skin, every amount in your bank account, people that were in the temple that day, that were trying their best to honor and obey God, and were reading the Old Testament, and were fasting, and they were praying, and they were longing for Him for them. And for people all the way on the other side of the spectrum that did not love God, did not want to obey God, were far, far, far from God. The angel says, I have good news great joy that will be for all people, not even all people on all those spectrums, but every human being on the planet is invited into this news that the epicenter of this news is joy. Good news, don't have time to really chase that down all the way all people not going to take the time to chase that down but what we want to focus on this morning is what does it mean that this angel has invited us into this mega this great joy so today i want to talk obviously about joy uh confession time My wife and I, when we got married, um, we're coming up here on 16 years, Uh, we went uh, on our honeymoon to Colorado and uh, had a cabin just outside of Woodland Park uh, and ended up in Cripple Creek. Cripple Creek uh, is uh, basically the Las Vegas of Colorado, uh, just much, much smaller and uh, cool mountains, but it's just a gambling town and uh, it's an old mining town. It's really interesting and just casinos everywhere. You walk down the main drag, the main street there, just casino after casino, uh, our favorite one was one called Bronco Billy's. So if you're ever there, try out Bronco Billy's. Um, and I remember, and I'm not condoning gambling, but we walked into this casino, right? <laughs> safe, this is a safe place, right? That These go on the internet, so there is no safe place for me. Uh, We go in and uh, mainly because there was incredibly cheap food at all the casinos. We had this prime rib dinner for 99 cents and we were dirt poor. So praise the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, he provided and that was a fantastic meal. And then just all the Dr. Pepper that you could imagine for free. Why? Because they know they'll get your money elsewhere. Um, So we had a limit. We were just going to have some fun this night. Both of us, we had a $2 limit uh, and we were playing the penny machines and we were laughing and we were having so much fun and it was a good time until we realized, oh, like we're the only people in this whole place smiling. And I don't know if you've ever been in a casino and, and maybe some of them are different, but I remember looking around and thinking like we just took a moment people were just like drones. They were just focused, like pulling the thing. They looked really sad. You know, they, were, uh, they had their little cards where, the, where they could pull it off the lanyard and scan it. And they were smoking with this hand and just like, just sad. And we looked around like, this is just kind of a sad place. P- P- there was, there was I, I just, I remember having this feeling like, this place needs a little joy, and that's just a little picture, I think, of what's taking place in the world, that the world needs some, some joy, and Christians that have truly been changed and met Jesus in a very real and profound way, and experienced joy should stand out. So Hannah and I, were getting people, I mean, we we're getting all these strange looks like, who are these people? They're smiling, they're laughing, they're enjoying themselves, just didn't quite fit with the whole vibe uh, t- to an extent, like Christians should have this joy that comes from the Lord that's in our heart and soul and mind, and it's somewhat, is pervasive in the culture around us. I want to read something. Uh, A man named Brett McCracken uh, wrote in a book recently, um, really just talking about the, the strange things that have happened recently in our culture. And I think you might agree with these. He says, our world has more and more information, but less and less wisdom. More data, but less clarity. More stimulation, but less synthesis. There's more distraction, but there's less stillness. There's more pontificating, but perhaps there's less pondering. There's more opinion, but there's less research. There's more speaking, but less listening. There's more to look at, yet there is less to see. He says there's more amusements, but there is less joy. Maybe that's not true of you, maybe that's not true of many in the room, but uh, that, that, that is true of the human race, that we're longing for this joy, we want something that we were wired for, yet so many people would not describe their lives as joyful. And the angel shows up, and I got the good news of great joy, which will be to all people. So I wanna unpack for a few moments what the connection is between Christmas or more accurately stated the the incarnation of the Son of God in the person of Jesus Christ and how that is truly linked, supposed to link to our hearts to give us this endless mega joy. And maybe this morning you just, uh, if you're honest, you just don't have it. You're looking for joy in all sorts of different places. You have some moments of, of laughter, maybe some moments of, uh, uh, of kind of fleeting joy, but just not a deep sense of joy that you feel like that you were wired for. There's, there's good news. There's good news because Jesus is about joy. And for those of you who have been following Jesus, maybe this is just a reminder uh, of something that you already know, that we live lives that are full of joy because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Uh, Confession number two. Uh, I think sometimes, like, if I were to pose the question to you, And uh, just ask you, what are the first few things that would pop into your mind, the first few descriptors that might pop into your mind when I say this next word uh, and and I were to kind of present that to you, which I just did, and I say this, God. Maybe the first two or three descriptors. I think um, we we probably nail it, especially in kind of the reformed world and the community that we're a part of, like Holiness. Yes and amen, praise the Lord. Righteous, yes, amen, praise the Lord. Sovereignty, yes, amen, praise the Lord. All those things are true. But I, I think at some point, uh, perhaps I've done a, a misservice because I feel like one of the, the, one of the preeminent things should, that should pop into our minds when we think about God should be joy. Like God is a joyful God. Did you know that? You don't look like you did. (laughs) Smile, like God is a joyful God. That should be at the top of the list. Are those other things true? Absolutely. And add to those that in his his being, he is a joyful God. And so Christmas, the incarnation is about him on a mission to invite us in to share his joy. Send them out, send the angels, go tell them I've got good news of what? great joy that will be to all people. Listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, just talking about part of his mission on the planet. John fifteen eleven, Jesus Christ says this. It's on the screen here, I believe, if you want to follow along. As the Father has loved me, which is a lot, perfect, infinite, as God the Father loved God the Son, as the Father have loved me, so have I loved you. That's not the point of this sermon, but holy smokes, is that an unbelievable thing. As, as well as God the Father has loved God the Son, that's as well as Jesus Christ has loved you. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. He's talking about a lot of things he had just taught the disciples and really it expands beyond that. He's talking about a lot of his just like the, the sum of his teaching and a lot of the work that he's doing on on the planet eventually would do on the cross is so that his joy might be in in you and your joy might be full. God is a joyful God. Jesus is a joyful Savior. I, I've got a few testimonies that I want to pull from this morning um, because I, I just thought it would be helpful for us to look at some towering figures in the Bible. Uh, one from the Old Testament, three from the New Testament. Uh, I mean, these are like the top tier, just incredible uh, figures of history. They were uh, prominent um, leaders and examples in the Bible and show you that one of the most apparent things if you just look at their lives is their lives were marked by joy like like when they met god and and related to god especially to jesus that produced this mega great joy Uh, the first is David everybody's heard of David towering figure in the Old Testament wrote most of the Psalms uh, and you find this all throughout I just had to pick one for this morning so I picked Psalm uh, 16 verse 11 uh, and the psalmist David writes this he says you make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is a fullness of what of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If you were to get David in a corner and say, hey, what what have you figured out? What's kind of the key? What's the theme of, of walking with God? He'd be like, joy. It's joy joy in your presence there is a fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore that's number one number two uh, is mary okay mary who we don't honestly know just a whole lot about her other than she was an incredible young woman very godly not perfect not to be worshipped but to be admired for sure and in luke chapter one um she has just found out that she's responsible for uh bringing god into the world any like like You talk about writing yourself into the story. That's kind of tough news. We got a puppy yesterday, and I'm nervous that I'm not going to do something right raising this puppy. Could you imagine that you were in charge of raising God? Anybody? she has has this declaration that she's going to be the one that gets to bring the Messiah into the world. And this is what she says, Luke 1, 46 and 47. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Joy is a noun, rejoices is a verb. That's her saying, I find incredible joy. I mean, one of the most godly people that has ever lived, Mary, is marked by this sense of she finds joy. She rejoices, not not even look at the look at the words there. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. We're gonna dig down on that in just a moment. God is a savior. But Mary, she she found a lot of joy in the Lord. Uh, Peter it be really difficult to uh, think of uh, the New Testament influences uh, or towering figures in Christianity without Peter really bubbling up to uh, the top of the list. Uh, and Peter, his life, when he met Jesus... Okay, when he was discipled by Jesus and then filled with the Holy Spirit and then leads the church uh, around Jerusalem for a long, long time after Jesus' ascension, Uh, his life is marked by a few things. Uh, One, by a, a lot of suffering and two, by a lot of joy. So much joy that that becomes one of the things that as he's writing letters to churches and he's talking to Christians, he's always trying to remind them of the joy they have. And 1 Peter 1, 8 says this, though you have not seen him, he's talking about people like us, people that were Christians, they were followers of Jesus, but they did not meet him in person. They believed the message after the death and resurrection of the Lord. They believed by faith. They never saw him. They never had a meal with him. They never heard him speak. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and though you do not now see him, you believe in him, and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. He's talking about Christians, and he's saying, like, there's just something about you that because you know Jesus through faith, you have this inexpressible joy filled with glory. And then the next would be Paul. Very similar to Peter, when he meets Jesus, his life is changed, he's marked, he has a lot of suffering. You can go read about his resume of suffering, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 11, uh, that just talks about all of the shipwrecks and all of the, uh, the viper bites and all of the uh, being stoned and flogged and beaten and persecuted and, and chased out of town. Uh, and in the midst of that, his life is marked by an unbelievable measure of joy. Philippians 4.4, 4, he says, not just something that he experiences, but he's encouraging the, the Philippian church who, who is facing an incredible amount of suffering. Rejoice. That means find joy in the Lord always. How many times? How many times? See, the angel doesn't show up. He's like, I've got good news of joy that will be for some circumstances or when things are going well. It's just this, this encompassing all-mega joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say rejoice. If you take the time to go look Old and New Testament at people who truly encountered the Lord, you will see that their lives were marked by this incredible gift of joy. He says, he shows up to the shepherds in the field. He says, fear not, calm down. I do bring news, but it is good news. Got good news, and so they let their guard down. Okay, great. What is it? Great joy that will be to all people. And then he says that the word for, which uh, it's the linking verb that helps kind of connect all of these promises uh, to like kind of, well, how do I access that? If that's true, uh, how how do I feel and embrace that joy? And how do I live in that joy? How does that joy become mine? And, And he says, I've got good news of great joy that will be to all people for or because, because unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Okay, That is so important. Uh, In our culture, to understand Jesus as a Savior is so important because the culture appreciates some other things about Jesus which don't lead to joy. Like Jesus just as a primarily these two things, a teacher and an example, which no doubt he is. Is Jesus a good teacher? Everybody say yes. Probably the best there ever was, will have been, will ever be. Is Jesus a good example? Yes, but and our culture, like they're fine with Jesus being a, a good example. This is how you live your life. This is what it looks like to be a good person or even how to be a good teacher. But those two things in and of themselves just don't have the ability to give you joy. In fact, in some ways, they will take it from you. If you'd only see Jesus as those two things, that does not lead to joy. If Jesus is just another prophet in the long line of prophets showing, showing up to tell us how we're supposed to live, like if it just hasn't gone well in history for somebody else to show up and say, hey, here's the standard of righteousness, hold it. Because our problem is not information, right? And so if Jesus shows up and he's like just another prophet to tell us how to live, that doesn't help us with joy because we can't hold up to that standard. Anybody in here bench 500 pounds? Good. This analogy might work. So let's say that you're like, I just, I want to bench 500 pounds. That is my goal. And so somebody shows up and they give you a list of things. Okay, here's how you bench 500 pounds. Uh, you get down on the bench, you put your arms under it, you go down and up. Like, okay, I tried that, it didn't work. And so somebody else comes and they give you the same information and you've got four, five, ten people that all come and tell you what you're supposed to do. What you need is not another person to come tell you what to do. You all with me? What do you need? Somebody who can come down, get you, toss you off and bench press 500 pounds in your place. Silly example, I know. But like Jesus, just as a teacher for him to come say, this is the standard of righteousness. Go get him. I, that is not going to produce joy because we can't do it in and of ourselves. So Jesus does come in and as a prophet, so to speak, but uh, he, he, he explains the standard of God's holiness and righteousness and then moves us out of the way and fulfills it all. That's very different than just being uh, a teacher. What about an example? Our, our culture, it loves Jesus as an example. But if Jesus is just an example of how we're supposed to live, that will not bring joy, that will crush you. Imagine if I said, okay, uh, here's your goal for today, to, to act like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to speak like Jesus, to be patient like Jesus, to be generous like Jesus. I guarantee you at the end of the day, you will not make it. True story? If Jesus is just an example, that, that, that is not going to lead to joy. That's going to lead to frustration and despair. Because if he is the example, which he is, uh, of how to live, we're not going to make it. We're not going to get close. And he, if he's just a teacher... He's just, that's why the angel didn't show up and say, I've got good news, great joy that will be to all people because Jesus is going to be your example. He's going to be your teacher. No, he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A savior. Understanding Jesus as a savior is, is one of the keys to truly unlocking the joy that, that, that this angel is talking about. That Like you legitimately embrace his, his forgiveness and his grace and he saves us. He does all of the work. We don't contribute anything. Just the grace of God alone in salvation is enough to give joy. So I alluded to this a moment ago, but... I had to drive to um, Brady uh, yesterday um, because we uh, were getting a surprise early Christmas present for our children. We got this little eight week old puppy and uh, it is uh, terrifying. It is cute and terrifying because we haven't had a puppy in a long time. And we kind of planned this whole thing where the kids had no idea this was happening. And uh, so about two minutes, like literally two minutes before I got home, the plan was Hannah was going to let them open a present early. And it was a book uh, about how to train a dog. Okay. And so they opened this book and they're like, <laughs> they're trying their best to like, you know, pretend that they're excited. They're like, oh, t- thanks, mom. A book. That's what we, that's what we want. And then uh, they kind of get through that. And then I come walking in the door with this puppy. Oh, and, and like <laughs> the, the analogy is like this was an incredible gift that they maybe weren't even expecting. They definitely wanted. They appreciate it absolutely free. Just by grace, we give them this puppy. And so because there's nothing left to do w- with this incredible gift of grace, we've given them all they had left was to enjoy it. Like we have the video of them seeing this and experiencing this and just like the joy on their faces, Hannah, like we have done it. We have done it. But like to, to, to receive something by grace, if there's nothing you need to do to earn it, all there is left to enjoy it, that, that, that's part of what it means to be a Christian, to be saved, Jesus as savior, what does that mean? You don't have to contribute, you don't have to pay, you don't have to uh, toss a, a few of your good works in. What, what, what's left to do? enjoy God, rejoice in a relationship with God through Christ, like grace and joy through a savior is so, so powerful. Uh, I've got two other examples from history that I wanna share real quick and then I'll be done. These are the two most towering figures outside of the Bible itself, from the closing of the scriptures to today, uh, that I I think uh, one, they're just incredible examples And two, they have said some pointed things about joy. Number one is Saint, we call him Saint Augustine. Everybody say Augustine. Most people would say that outside of Jesus Christ and the Apostle Paul, Augustine has probably left the biggest mark on Christianity in the history of the world. I mean, there's grass named after him, right? If you have gone so far that 1,600 years after you're walking around, they've named grass after you, you've done a lot. He was a fifth century uh, writer and uh, pastor and theologian, uh, spent most of his time as the bishop in Hippo, uh, which is uh, northern Africa, present day Algeria, I believe. Um, most people would say like what he wrote and what he contributed um, by way of explaining the gospel of Jesus and, and the grace of God w- was truly the thing that set off the, the Reformation a, a thousand years later. I, I was writing a, a, an article the other day uh, for a, a hunting magazine of all things, and they told me I had a 1,200 word limit, and I was writing that, and I thought, man, 1,200 words, that's that's a lot of words. Uh, took me a couple hours to get that produced, uh, and then I looked, and do 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 you know how many words we have that have survived 1600 years from Augustine? No, you don't, because you didn't study that like I did. Five million. We have five million words um, saved from what what Augustine wrote. And he wrote a book called Confessions, uh, which is basically um, him confessing uh, things and really talking about his life leading up to his conversion to Christianity. And most of confessions is him talking about feeling this desire for joy and chasing it in a lot of places. Uh, the struggle for him mainly was that he was chasing these uh, with some sexual desires uh, and basically found out like this just, this sin is not giving me joy like I thought it would. In fact, it's, it's taking it from me. And so you read through confessions and what you see is that when he met Jesus, he, he encountered what he describes as sovereign joy, which would be the marker of his life. If you were to ask Augustine, hey, it, it describes to me what your life is like after meeting Jesus, he would say joy. In fact, this is what he says in confessions. He says, how sweet all at once it was for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. He says, you drove them from me, you who are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them from me and you took their place. You who are sweeter Than all pleasure. The most impactful Christian outside of Jesus and Paul, like the key to him was like, when I met Jesus, I found true joy. It wasn't in the other places where I was looking, it was found in Jesus. Second one that I want to uh, share a little bit from, uh, and then I'm done, is a man named C.S. Lewis. Anybody ever read C.S. Lewis? He's uh, written many, many books. Uh, uh, Chronicles of Narnia, if uh, if you're familiar with that, that uh, is his uh, work. He was a brilliant, brilliant um, British mind. He was a professor and an uh, author uh, and an atheist. And uh, so for a lot of his, his early life, especially, he really struggled with the idea of there being a God and that God being uh, Jesus and the gospel being true. Uh, and then he uh, just wrestled through with some questions, and um, eventually he would move from being an atheist, not believing that there, there is a God, to being a theist, believing there is a God, to being a Christian, all right? And he, he, was, a, he was a professor at Oxford and Cambridge and an incredibly—one of the smartest men probably of the last couple centuries, I think— And he even surprised himself. He's like, I never would have thought I could believe that God became a man, Jesus is God, and that he rose from the dead. And yet here we are. He's like, it's the most logical conclusion on every front. And he wrote a book describing his journey from atheism to theism to Christianity. And the title of this book really says it all. The title of the book is Surprised by Joy. He would say the same thing. I spent so much of my life trying to find joy. I found a lot of dry wells, and then I met Jesus. And from that point on, my my life was marked by good news of great joy. I want to read something. Um, that he wrote that I'm sure many of you have heard this before, but I thought it was fitting for the topic of joy in a world that desperately wants it, uh, perhaps is having a difficult time finding joy. He's talking about really settling for this, the the fleeting pleasures, the momentary joy that sin might offer uh, when we truly have been offered eternal joy in God, which is what the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy. He says this, he says, we are half-hearted creatures, We are fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. He says, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot even imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. People that meet Jesus and embrace the gospel and receive grace are marked by an unbelievable gift of joy. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. And I want to close with this. I was thinking about this this morning from Hebrews um, chapter 12. It says this, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all the heroes of the faith that were mentioned in chapter 11, Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Basically, let's be faithful as Christians, following Jesus till the end. How do we do that? He says, looking unto Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Like you have this picture of Jesus that is talking about the cross, but it's saying like Jesus endured the cross for some joy that was on the other side. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And you almost see this picture that for a moment, Jesus set his joy aside. He put it out in front and he endured the cross so that he might give us his joy and invite us into his joy. Like even the cross, you see that Jesus is purchasing for us an infinite, sovereign, eternal joy that's found in Christ as Savior. So here's the invitation. Receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, the one who came to deliver joy to the world. If you don't have it, you need it. He's the only place to find it. You can look in all other places, and they will be dry wells until you find Jesus Christ. For those of you who know Jesus as your Savior, you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. You felt his grace. Just a reminder today that the joy we have can't be taken away. I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people, because unto you, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I pray that your joy may be in us and that our joy may be full. Thank you that you have been on that mission, God, to share your joy with us that we might find joy in Christ. Father, I do pray this morning, God, if there's someone in this room that truly resonates with that, they feel that they've been chasing joy in all sorts of places and maybe um, are finding out that that's not what they're looking for, God, I pray that you might uh, draw them to you, that you would, uh, even in, in these next few moments, that they would feel your spirit pulling on them and talking to them and inviting them into Christ to be their savior. Jesus, you have done everything in our place. You've lived a perfect life so that we don't have to contribute. We can just receive. We receive salvation by grace so that we might have joy in it. Father, I pray that you might help us to be a people that are marked by joy in a world that needs it. We love you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Church. If you want to connect with us at Redeemer, we would love for you to visit us at a service in person or visit us online at www.redeemermidland.org.